Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot CEO. Don't forget to add the two-on-one podcast in the how did you hear about Podgo section of your application. Now get ready for the rest of the episode. Lads, we are back. Still here. It is a nice Sunday. It's kind of chilly here in Vaughan, Ontario, but it's sunny. What's it like in Markham, Alex? I'm like five minutes away from Daniel. It's the same. Okay. I always forget. That we just, we're so close to the board. I'm so we're both so close to the borders of the cities that it doesn't even matter. Like we're just it's the same. Yeah. Like when people say, oh, do you live in Toronto? I'm like, oh, no, I live north of Steeles. And then they're like, what's the difference? Yeah, they're, they're, it's 18 degrees in Montreal. Really? It's oh, really nice. Uh, but no, no sunshine, though. No. It's one of those days when it's an abyss of grayness above you. It's because of what happened yesterday. Probably. I was okay. going to say that, but I didn't want it to upset Adam. Oh, We've been recording talk. for like 50 seconds. We'll, we'll talk about the Habs eventually. <laughs> we'll get there. Um, but guys, it's slow. It's been slow around the league. We're just, again, we're just waiting inches and inches to get to the playoffs. Most teams are around 10-ish games, unless you're the Canucks, um, who I think their playoff odds are up to 19%. I think I saw Dom Lucision's tweet. I kind of hate stuff like that where it's like their percent. Like, what's the point of giving percentage when it's basically just you can then look at games in hand? Like, it just feels kind of silly to me that it almost feels like sometimes that model is irrelevant. Well, the thing is, they also have to win those games in hand. Yeah. But we can do the same thing. It's like, okay, I got them. It's like the missing percentage. Like there is the, yeah, there's the 19% chance of making, but then there is the other percentage (laughs) of them not making it. Yeah. The 81% chance I had to do that. That took me a while to do. They want to be hopeful. That took that took me a while to do in my head, by the way. I purposely didn't say the amount because I was hoping one of you two would quickly do the math. <laughs> How about it's like, hey there, does that also count the fact that they are going to have the most condensed schedule to end the year? No, probably not. Exactly. No. Um, and does that also count that it doesn't look like they're going to get Pedersen back? That hurts. Yeah. That's exactly what I think. And yeah, they beat the Sens. Great. Which is weird, like... Because who beats the Suns? I know. None of the top teams. No, no, it's insane. The Suns, I hate the Suns. I'm burning. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm the burning passion. I hate the Senators. You know what, though, guys? We do have some stuff to talk about. The Leafs are dirty, dirty boys. Unbelievable. I mean, dirty you know, players. Just how dare you, Rasmus Sandin? Yeah, I can't stop looking at that hit. It was beautiful. I'll tell you what's not beautiful and is very difficult to watch. That UFC leg injury, we can call. Oh, my God. The worst part about that is when the guy goes for the the leg kick. Like, Mm -hmm. I went on Twitter and I saw, like, Donald and Will go on about, oh, my God, the leg's not supposed to go that way. And I thought, oh, no. So I watched a video of it. And, like, just going off the scenes, you know, okay, so this guy's about to go for a leg kick. And then in my head, I'm like, Oh, no. And then you see it happen, right? And he's so clearly about to step onto his back foot, but then he falls because it's the wrong way. 
And then like the guy he's fighting, and I'm not a big UFC fan, I don't know the names, is just like, he puts his hands on his head and just backs up because he's realized what's just happened here. It's like, you did, you haven't seen Harry Potter, Daniel, but Alex, you know when um, I think- I haven't seen Harry Potter. Use um, what's a movie franchise we've both watched? No, no, yeah, I don't know. I can't. So just anyway, explain it. It's okay. Just explain in, the in Harry, Harry Potter, Potter and I think it's the Chamber of Secrets. Harry messes up his arm playing Quidditch, and Professor Lockhart, who's garbage, tries to fix his arm, but it goes all like like the bone. He accidentally gets rid of the oh, bone. Oh yeah, yeah. Like falls backwards. That's what happened to that UFC fighter. Except there is a bone in there. It affected oh. Harry's jump shot. I remember uh, the next movie. It was not a jump shot. I don't think there was quidditch for the rest of that movie. I couldn't tell you because Chamber of Secrets is the worst film in the series, but I tell you, it's I'll boring. take your word. I'll it's take boring. your word on it. So long. It's boring. A cat gets petrified. It's a whole thing. Um, but that was, I thought we have to mention that because my, my goodness, that was so difficult to look at. That's like one of the worst things that could ever happen to you. Like, what Just do you do if you looked at one of your limbs is bent the wrong way? Do you, just, uh, I, I don't want to. I don't want you guys to look at it. But do you ever remember the Kevin Ware thing in the NCAA? Yes, yes. Oh my god, that was uh, horrible. That grossed me out. Oh, that was horrible. Like the the. I don't know. Was it his shin that was popping out of, yeah, out of the skin? I don't know. Oh my I feel god. uncomfortable thinking about it. It's just wrong. <laughs> it's like when you're you're like you know how some people when you cook spaghetti yeah. they either swirl it in or they break it. Yeah. His leg was the ladder. It was yeah. just it was not. Uh, it had the stability of a pop tart. It was not good. It was, it was bad. All right, something that's it started bad. It's good. After this is reported on, like the next few things we're going to talk about, I'll mention on headlines because that was the only way we could get stories for today's show. Um, <laughs> the Women's Worlds. It looks like now the IHF. This is the quote from Elliot Freeman last night. This week, the IIHF will begin the procedure for finding a new home for the event, uh, which is expected to be held at the end of the summer. Uh, now, this was, it's kind of interesting that all this happened right after everyone in hockey basically said, hey there. And I think, D- Daniel, did you make the point? It was with Alex, like, you figured out the world juniors. The U18s are going mm-hmm. ahead. I believe there was a whole mix-up and they had to end up in Texas or something. And apparently, this is what's really interesting. So on one of the panels they had, I think it was Sarah Nurse was on with like Jennifer Botchel and that. Hillary Knight has spoken on this. Apparently, they were quarantining. And they had, as well, no sort of lead up. But um, it's very interesting that now, after all the noise being made, the IIHF are now looking to find a backup city. And apparently, they never thought to have one in the first place because apparently Nova Scotia's approval was so high. They didn't have a backup plan, which is pretty boneheaded, Alex, to begin with. Uh, yeah, it is It is uh, pretty – yeah, it is boneheaded, uh, but it just seems like some like a, such a hockey thing that there's no backup plan. Um, maybe because I follow we follow the NHL so much and it just seems like plans are all over the place. Uh, and I actually want to ask you guys a question about that because someone tweeted something about it last night. Um, yeah, I'm glad that they're they're looking for a backup city because I think there's a lot of smart people involved in this tournament. Uh, there's a lot of smart people in the IIHF. There's a lot of smart people in Hockey Canada or whoever's running this tournament. I- I'm very sure they can find a way to figure this out. Um, I'm very sure they can figure this out. Like I think they said it was Ottawa, correct? That was the city they were looking at. 
could not. I'll double check, but I think it was Ottawa, just for verification. Oh, Siri, go away. Oh, I didn't Hi, Siri. Oh, you didn't need to get it. Go away. No, Sorry. shut up. Oh, even my it? mine turned on on my phone. I said hi, Siri. Wow. And it turned on. Oh my god, uh, just a mess. Yeah, um, yeah. Like I'm glad they figured it out, or at least have a have a a backup plan now being put into place. It's a little too late for that, but I that's better late than never. Daniel, yeah. It for me, what I kind of felt is why was the standard kind of so unnecessarily high for this in a way not like in terms of like the regulations where it's like oh this one thing popped up we can't do this but I think that that's that's unfair because that's been the theme the whole year where you have to get around the pandemic you have to kind of get around the fact that these things are going to happen and that you're not going to always have these ideal situations where you can just go to an arena and play and I think the second thing too is that I think they should have found a way around this because what we've talked about before is that there's so much interest for women's hockey this year. I think that's been the main theme that there is a market. There is a fan base that wanted to see this, that it's not like, it's not like, you know, you're, you're, you're shortchanging anybody with this. Like it's still the quality hockey that you want to see. And it's just upsetting that for what's been going on this year, for what's been going on in the headlines with everything, the whole thing with Barstool and everything, that you know, this was like another opportunity to kind of showcase women's hockey. Um, by the way, uh, I'm looking at the sports in the article. There's nothing exactly about Ottawa, um, but just to be clear about the U18s for the men's, uh, I just want to read this little bit here. Uh, the men's world championship is scheduled to open in less than a month in Riga, Latvia. January's women's under 18 hockey championship in Sweden was canceled. But the men's under-18 tournament was moved from Michigan to Texas and is scheduled to be played next week. So Again, uh, let's, let's, let's see the I, double standard there. I'm very – like it's – I'm just baffled by this entire thing. And I, I think it broke while we were recording last show. So I didn't actually get the time to think about it. But just thinking about it now – how do you not have a backup plan? Like you as a inter, like you're the double IHF. You don't have a didn't care about it. Yeah. It's just in like, it's just, they have baffling. the resources. Yeah. It's kind of baffling. Like just like how you don't have a backup plan for anything, especially now of all times, especially during COVID where, you know, Especially, you know, looking at the what the Maritimes have done in terms of limits, trying to limit COVID, that one outbreak could have potentially shut down the entire tournament. You don't have a backup plan is just kind of bizarre to me. Mm -hmm. Next, ladies and gentlemen. Also on headlines, there was talk about what the schedule is going to look like next year and even some playoff implications with that. Um, I have it up in front of me. I will read it to you quickly. So option one, um, 32 games will be home and homes with the opposing conference. So, you know, that's like if we're in the East, that's like San Jose, obviously. Uh, Three games with other divisions in the conference. So let's say that's the Atlantic and Metro. That would be the Leafs or the Habs playing three games against the likes of the Washington Capitals. Then there would be the remaining 26 games, and all of this equates back up to 82, unfortunately. Um, the other 26 games would be four versus five teams or three versus other two members of the division. So 
obviously that'd be, you know, the four games, Leafs and Habs and all that sort of stuff. And what's interesting about option one is like, I don't think anyone really cares about the amount of games you're playing against certain teams as long as you're playing against them all. Like we all know that normally it's like one road game in a given season versus like the Californian teams. Like we all know that. What's interesting about this is it would likely be a conference playoffs. So the way I basically take that is, is in option two has the divisions and we'll talk about that one in a second, that that would hopefully mean a one through eight playoff, which is, I think everything we all want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, well, it's kind of weird thinking about that, that something like that would come back. Yeah. Maybe because it's, it makes sense. It's logical in the NHL just, is the opposite of that and love doing everything the most difficult way possible. Exactly. I think it's because they tried to separate. I remember the whole division leaders thing that like, even I remember when Carolina was either one point out of the playoffs or they were in third place. I remember that. I'm pretty sure that right now the Rangers are going to miss the playoffs. And I think they have, let me just get the standings up here. Cause this is something very interesting. So the Montreal Canadians right now, are sitting fourth in the North with 49 points. If we look at the East Division, the Rangers have 54 and are fifth. Also, something kind of embarrassing, the Habs have the same amount of points as the Philadelphia Flyers. Just a quick little thing with that. So, and we've seen this, like, like everyone has been complaining about, like, the second round matchups, like the Penguins and the Caps. Now, you guys know me, I've always been the thing of, like, shut up. Um, you have to be good teams in order to win. But I wonder if owners are actually pretty, would be okay with this from the side of, besides the competitiveness is, if you're a team that is first place, you obviously want to face the weaker teams, better chance of moving on, and AKA more playoff revenue, which would be even better for the one through eight, Alex. Wait, say that again. I'm like this, I'm so confused at how this is different than the regular schedule, the regular 82 game schedule. Well, the, the big it's difference. It's not, right? It's just the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm fine with, I'm very fine with going back to one to eight mm-hmm. um, because I think it, it just worked, man. Like, I think the NHL, what the NHL tried to do, and I don't think they, they really did it. I don't know. I can't think of any uh, playoff matchups that created rivalries, except maybe the one in one for a couple for Vegas. Um, they try to create rivalries through this wild card one to three magic. And it just didn't work. Like how Boston and Toronto met how many times and Toronto lost all three times, but let's be honest. It was a men. It was a one-sided rivalry. Boston could not care less. I'm thinking the only real rivalry that's really come out of all like the one like the the division format because like obviously LA and Chicago like that was born from conference finals. Mm-hmm. Same with like the Ducks in there. Right. Even today with like the Caps and, and and the and Tampa Bay, that's been in the conference finals. I do like the only one I can think of, and it was a blown call that led to it is San Jose and Vegas. Yeah, yeah. With that Pavelski game seven stuff, which is, by the way, one of the best like 10 minutes of hockey you'll ever watch. And we're probably not going to see that. For a while. The Sharks are bad. Uh, they are very much bad. So option two is kind of interesting because, first of all, it goes back to the division playoffs. So that's top three with the two wild cards. 
sucks. We all hate it. We all really, really hate it. Because remember, like, the Pacific was, like, the weakest thing and somehow the best three teams. It was bad. They didn't deserve it. So home and home with the other three divisions completely. So that's 48 games. And then there would be four games each against your division. That's 28 total games. That's more against your division. Probably more important games because, you know, that's those are the guys you're chasing. More what we call the four-point games. The division playoffs, sorry, I said that, and – Six games left over for special scheduling. Special scheduling. That I like. So, okay. okay, what the hell does that mean, Alex? Well, if you're, if you're, if the guy, these guys in the NHL scheduling department are smart, each Canadian team plays the other Canadian teams. There's seven Canadian teams, right? Take uh, yeah. you take one out, and they play each other. Right, so there are six games that leaves each team to play each other Canadian team an extra time. Mm-hmm. We okay. like, like I think th- there's clearly a love for Canadian teams playing each other. I think people want to see other your team playing other teams. Like, yeah, I want to see Toronto play Tampa. I want to see Toronto play Colorado. But to have those six games and six games left where you can say, hey, we'll throw in an extra Canadian team for your in your schedule. I don't like the division playoffs. I'm not entirely sure why we have to keep the division playoffs in this scenario and why we can't have the conference. Parody. But I do like that special scheduling because that's, you want to create a rivalry. That's how you do it. I would also, as opposed to no offense, I'm not in as in love with, I, I don't know. I, I Maybe it's just because I haven't seen any other teams play against Montreal. I'm getting a little sick of Sick of the Canadian teams. Um, and there's not been enough hatred like we were promised. You could also do it like, no offense, but I would rather have a few more games against the Bruins, even if it's the Bruins, yeah. than I would against like the Sens. Like you could, and that could add to the rivalry stuff here. See, like, yeah, you, I like how you got to put it there, Alex. There's, there's potential for the NHL to do something fun. I just kind of wish that was included with the conference playoff stuff. Like, that could be an interesting sort of... Can you imagine if all of a sudden, like, they don't... They, like, the last six games of the year, you don't know what they are. And then it's, like, all of a sudden, hey there. Like, all could you imagine, like, they end the season and it's, like, it's in the Pacific Division and the Flames are two points up. And it's, like, a, three of those games are a three-game series battle of Alberta or something. Obviously, the teams will say, no, shut up, you tell me what it is because, obviously, scheduling, booking arenas and all that right. is very important. But... I think, okay, like, I don't know for that, but I think I like the promotional aspect of it because when you talked about, you know, trying to recreate these rivalries in the division and, you know, we're, we are getting a bit sick of the North division seeing the same teams all the time. But I think that, and I, I, again, this is a baseball reference, but if you could keep that idea of the rivalry, but you have a lot of promotion for that upcoming series that you're playing against, like, one team for four games, right? That will set up the momentum. But at the same time, this has to be something post-COVID where you'll still have other series against other teams. By the way, it was yeah. made very clear that there is no Canadian division next. Like, Freeman made it very clear, no mm. Canadian It's, it's it, gone. Just- that, that, that's what I'm saying. So let's – and we'll get to these two guys, these two teams later. Toronto and Winnipeg would only play each other two times 
in the regular season. Yeah. Right. Imagine you add an extra game of that, right? Like you're not creating what the NHL I think has been trying to do. And I said before, they're trying to create rivalries that that's not, that doesn't work. You have to let the players pick the, like in a way, pick the rivalries. And then you have to promote the crap out of that and having these special occasions. I think it it allows it. So, it allows it to happen. It allows it for the NHL to build on that. I kind of agree because, yeah, again, when we talk about promotions, I wanted to see where the Matthew Kachuk uh, versus, you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, storyline went, but I feel like that dissipated. It, yeah, it, it fizzled away like the Flames season did. Yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, Calgary. Or um, if we even, like, do a major throwback um, – the Battle of Ontario between the Leafs and the Sens, they played each other four times out of five seasons in the playoffs in the early 2000s. And that wasn't from, you know, some artificial way of trying to make them play against each other. It's just that the teams were good and they just, they, they just, they, they were good and they had these like key matchups that whenever they played against each other, there was that, you know, there was that like that edge towards each team. Mm-hmm. Potential NHL, don't blow it. Don't, you know, I was really worried that maybe they were going to do like exhibition outdoor games between Chicago and Arizona and something like that. I, I want to see that. No, no. no I remember um, last year, what is it? Nashville and Arizona. I remember that was the Dallas, series. Dallas, that... Dallas. I think it was Dallas. Yeah, Wait, that... no, no, no. Oh, not the outdoor. I'm talking about the playoffs. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, yeah. When like we struggled to talk about that one on the pod. What was it? Nashville and versus Arizona. Arizona. They played that, it in the, um, the play That whole series was just Darcy Kemper. I remember that very well. And then they went to Arizona. Then they faced Colorado and got picked apart <laughs> like a corpse in the desert by like, a vulture. That's when Taylor Hall that. said, you know, that's the SpongeBob like getting off the seat. Hmm? Meme? No. no. She's like, I'm going to head out. Oh, oh yes, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. Really Hall, yeah that that Taylor was Taylor Hall like, in game two. Back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not been bad in Boston, by the way. Not been bad at all. Who no. saw that coming? Anders Bjork, though. Okay. Too. Yeah. Woo. Anders Bjork. I saw Will Kristoffelis uh, praising Anders Bjork. I'm just winner, happy that Will's winner happy of again. The, winner of the uh, Taylor Hall trade. <laughs> I think is got. He might say it's Buffalo. No love for Curtis Lazar. We'll see. We'll see. I think that's um. Let's see how far the Bruins go. For it. <laughs> let's 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 be careful there. Uh, other news. Last bit from headlines is that uh, the second part of the U.S. TV deal for the NHL. It seems to be that Fox are actually ahead of NBC as the front runners. Uh, Apple apparently may grab some of it too, which is pretty funny to think. Imagine that Apple TV. Check out the Bruins in Philly. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> love it. Um, I just love the idea that if Fox can get it, that, you know, here's an intermission. And then it's like, you know, when like the commentators, like Chris Cuthbert, Cuthbert will be like, and here's this series on CBC that no one actually watches. Um, you know, here's the synopsis and it's Mondays at 7 p.m. Right, that kind of stuff. I love it, though. Can you imagine? But they're good, like smooth transition. But could you imagine instead? It's like there's some real fire in the Flames game. And if you want fire, check out House Kitchen new episode Saturday. <laughs> and it just cuts like we could go to like TV timeout. And it's Gordon Ramsay just being like, you know what? 
using his colorful language. I love that idea. Like all here, you know, all this show. Like that's what I love about this. It's not the Fox Sports brand. It's just the idea that I can watch hockey and see a commercial with Gordon Ramsay telling someone to go stick something up somewhere and Wellingtons and donkeys and throwing fish at people. You know exactly. what I find funny is I don't know why I'm not. I'm, I know it's separate. But when I think of Fox and I think of Fox Sports, like I just imagine Selena and Barnes. Like commercial, commercial coming up, yeah, or oh, it's like just Salino now, man. It's just Salino. Or, it's just yeah. Salino. What happened to Barnes? He died. Yeah, what? He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, I think they separated first, and then I think once. Oh, okay. I could be. I know, but I know that I don't remember the timeline of whether he. I think he split first. Wow. And then after he died, I think that's when it was like, all right, time to do the ad and make it. A, yeah, they wow. they, they split in 2020, and then I. Uh, Oh wow, that it happened quite. Wow, quickly. that was a picture of my childhood. Um, yeah, he passed away in uh, October. How did he die? Does it say? Was I, it a I can't read. I can't read the article. It's. Uh, let me find another one. Okay, I'm guessing it's. Wow, that's yeah, shocking to me. Plane crash. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, it was a plane crash. Okay, that's freaking crazy, man. Yeah. But anyway, like Fox, aside from Gordon Ramsay and lawyer commercials. Fox Sports is actually a good platform for the NHL. Yeah, Mike. Uh, we were ta- I was ta- we were talking to Mike last night. He made Mike it. Fuda. No, yes. I wish. Um, <laughs> I wish. Uh, but he made like it seems like f- if they do uh, sign that deal with Fox Sports, it actually could be really good for the NHL um, in promoting in the U.S. And we know how much they love promoting in the U.S. And the Apple one, I think, is really interesting because I think that's a shift we're going to see a lot more of soon um i'm surprised am like i wouldn't be surprised if amazon is also there too and even someone like the um but it'll be interesting to see like i think the this tv deal was very important for the nhl and to have espn as your main spot main rights holder and then potentially having fox for the u.s this is really big mm-hmm. right I'm just happy. More revenue for the NHL and just, you know, more, more like, you know, more money, more attention in those U S markets because they, they need it. They really do need it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we, that's good. I'm happy. Gordon Ramsey, Daryl Sutter, Salino, Salino, just Salino. That's uh, the recipe. It's kind of like, um, is the Powerpuff Girls? Girls is like sugar, spice, everything nice. Mm-hmm. Ramsey, Sutter, TV, explosions, even though there's not much personality with Daryl Sutter anyway. Wait, Gordon Ramsey, like, he, I, I don't know why. Maybe I'm just thinking because he's a celebrity kind of thing, but like, I could see my Vegas Golden Knights game. He went like, to, I think he's, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. I'm like, uh, I get an intermission. It's like, said, Gordon, what are you cooking? You know, for um, these five lucky fans, you know, 20 minutes before the puck drops again. He's making gourmet hot dogs. He's like, arena ones, complete crap. He starts yelling at the fans when they ask to help. <laughs> <laughs> like the volunteers that won this contest that, uh, make a pass. I don't know why he's <laughs> mad. He's like, make a pass. I get more distance on the throw when I get served an undercooked salmon. I don't know. We could, I, uh, I don't know what we're doing here. So, question. I, okay, go on. Who's making the playoffs, Dallas or Nashville? Uh, Nashville. Nashville. Really? Okay, so 
Is it okay if I go first, Alex? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Um, I gonna say the positives about Dallas right now. Okay. First, Jason Robertson, half Filipino, brother of Nick. He is, he is going off. Um, I I love the guy. I know he's not gonna win the the Calder because of Kirill. You say that. Yeah. Would you like to know the rookie scoring race right now? I know it's like what? It's pretty close. I know that. Jason Robertson is at seven thirty-seven. Thirty-seven, thirty-seven points. Kaprizov's at forty-one. Mm-hmm. He scored like every goal. Yeah, he was. Ago. That, yeah. He saw that conversation last game, and Kirill was like, "All right, so I'm just gonna do something." Just, he I'm did the Thanos him. thing that I always use. He's like, "Fine, I'll do it myself." I would have gone for the meme of he's gonna pull what I would call a pro gamer move. <laughs> But um, again, like I, I think what Dallas has been able to do, despite you know all of the lost lost players, all of uh, the injuries that have been going on, the inconsistency. Like, did you see that Detroit game last night? That's crazy. Yeah, um, fifty-one saves for Jonathan Bernier, but the Stars win an OT. Yeah, like even at full strength, I know they made it to the finals, but I just didn't see them as a team that could kind of do that again, especially because they didn't really do any moves in the offseason to kind of address where I thought there were a lot of uh, cleavages, especially in their depth. Um, they really relied on guys to kind of step up who shouldn't have really stepped up, like Joel Kibarenta, um, Corey Perry, like those examples. That's when they got the big goals. And I think for Nashville, it's just they've been able to keep everything together. And they just have that mentality where it's like we were on the verge of being sold off all of us, but they kept it together and they're making this run. That's actually a really good point that they oh, were God. almost, they were almost sold off. There's, there's something like their survival their, mentality. In, there should be in survival mode. Every single one of their them. play to survive <laughs> came in. <laughs> Like, sorry, I, I can't, I can't, Adam, go ahead. Adam, go ahead, sorry. Um, you know, it's, what's interesting is they both had a lot of injury problems all year. Like just quickly now, I, I'm just getting their calf friendly up. Uh, poor John Stevens, you have to say. Um, ben Bishop has been like dead all year. Uh, obviously they've lost Radulov for the year. Cole Kiviranta is gone as well um sagan is non-roster at this point i don't know if he's played i'm just gonna quickly get up he has not played a game this year and then nashville there's at one point when like everyone was just hurt and even right now on ir is oh god i haven't heard of most of these guys and philip forsberg's on ir too and again yeah like ekholm's been out for stretches um alice has been out their center depth sucks. You know, they're, it's a tight race. I want Nashville to make it just because I had them making the playoffs and I kind of look good with that. And again, it's just, I don't know what it is. I, I was about to say, I don't know what it is with Dallas and they got COVID and their season was just ruined from the start. Um, because I think right now the way it goes that I think the Preds are ahead by two points, but Dallas have two games in hand. Yeah. I do get a bit worried with Dallas though, when like I, it's Jonathan Bernie, I get it, but that one, that's the thing. It's Jonathan Bernie. How did you not get one pass him last night? You cannot in this race go up against Detroit 
and not sort of, you know, ruin lives. Even though Verena had a four goal game the other day and it's like, hi there. And they had 50 shots and you only won in overtime. Yeah. Might be an issue. I'm going to look up their schedule really quick. Which is a half win. <laughs> like here's at that the, point you know you know what the thing with oh. dallas the thing with dallas is is if they do get that fourth spot i'm i think i'm more comfortable if nashville makes it knowing that probably whoever finishes first whether it's carolina florida or tampa will probably beat nashville but i think for whatever reason i ha- dallas makes me a little more uncomfortable if i'm the team in first place would you like to know what both their schedules look like to end the year? Sure. Yeah, sure. So the Dallas Stars will have back-to-back games against Carolina now. Then Tampa, a game against Nashville. The Panthers, back-to-back against the Lightning. Oh. But then two games to end the year with the Blackhawks, who are not out of it. Um, compared to Nashville, who are playing back-to-back games against the Panthers, which isn't great. But then they, by the way, Spencer Knight first win. That was awesome. The game against the the Predators, back-to-back games versus the Blue Jackets, but then back-to-back games versus Carolina. You do imagine, by the way, for those last two games, you wonder if Carolina starts resting guys because they're so far ahead. But it looks towards the end because of those Blue Jacket games that uh, Nashville are going to have a bit of easier end to the season if you want to sort of bet on that. Because you know what we say about games in hand, you have to win them. Exactly. And it's going to be a lot, lot tougher for the end of the year for um, for Dallas. But it's it's been an interesting race all year that just Tampa, I mean, Dallas are just slowly playing all these games. I imagine how tired those guys are too. And if they do get Sagan back, maybe that helps. Whatever's going on with them. Yeah. Will be okay. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do you guys want to talk about Robin Leonard or do you want to talk about Oscar Clefbaum? Uh-huh. Oscar Clefbaum. We'll call yeah, okay. Oscar Clefbaum. Okay, Oilers defenseman. Me? Yeah. yeah. No, I was gonna ask like uh, uh, an exterior person to call in and give us the decision. Okay. That's gonna take too long. I'm gonna call Mike and see if he answers. I uh, I would not put down speakerphone. So you know what I? You know what I'm just gonna call my mom and see what she says. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot better. That's Mike is probably gonna he's gonna be annoying. He'll is, start texting in the show for our group chat. That's a It'll be a bet. whole thing. Um, let me put "do not disturb" on in the in the meantime. Yeah, that's a good point. Great Either audio. Way. She's not picking up. That's this so could good. tank the whole. This could tank the whole show. This is the whole skit. This is the worst thing that could have happened. It's still ringing. Oh no! No, she's just. If it goes to voicemail, everything's done. Oh no! Uh, Oh, it's okay. We tried. Okay, Okay, cleft bomb. It is. Cleft bomb. Okay, cool. So, for those of you who kind of forgot, because I did too, cleft bomb has been gone all year for the Oilers. Uh, Probably been their best defenseman for a while now. And boy, I think we look a lot differently at the Oilers right now if they got cleft bomb that defensive core. Wouldn't look that bad. Um, he spoke to the media the other day. I think it was the 24th or the 23rd he talked about. Um, and I've got an article here from Oilers Nation. 
No guarantee Edmonton Oilers defenseman Oscar Clefbaum can resume his NHL career. Uh, this is a quote from Clefbaum. Quote, it's tough to say, said Clefbaum, who added, he was very happy to be in Edmonton and around the team. Uh, my doctor says I might be able to play again, but there's always going to be risk. We're going to see where I am at when the rehab time is coming to an end and it's time to make a decision. We're going to follow up many, many times. He's optimistic, but he can't really guarantee anything. The surgery itself, Klepom said, was a fairly significant surgery without uh, delving into the details of it. And then there's a little quote that I want to mention here. When it comes to quality of life, every guy in here, that's priority number one. You want to have a good life after hockey as well, said Clefbaum. Most of us have been playing with pain for a long time. When it affects your private life, you can't really put your clothes on or lift anything. That's when it comes to a point where I wanted to have the surgery done. And let's not forget, he's been putting this surgery off. Yeah. That is a very – and hockey players are never open. Um, unless you're Robin Leonard, who we'll get to. I guess the question is asked here, like, is is Clefbaum done in hockey? Because it sounds like he'll probably try and come back, but, like, not being able to put a shirt on, like, that's the state his shoulder was in? It, yeah, it's it, it does not sound good. And, it, yeah, it's so unfortunate that it got to the – point that it did that he kept putting it off and and i think it was a couple of years ago he was kind of done for the season i don't remember if it was last year or if it, or if it was the year before where we got to a point where he was just done for the season mm-hmm. like he was kind of gone and he still didn't get the surgery and it's just it's unfortunate that it got to this point because like he's a really good player and and there like I don't think there's anyone to blame. It's just we're this is the point that we're at. There's no point in looking back. And we have to remember, and we have to remember that these guys are still human beings, and like this is what they want to do. So of course they're upset that he like of course I bet he's devastated that there is even a slim chance he might not ever play hockey again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Because I think I don't know, like it's it's unfortunate, but at the same time, it's a it is a realization of what he's gone through with his body in the game and what he's kind of looking for in terms of the future, which does totally make sense. I know that it's it's hard to think because he, he's a guy that should be in the prime of his career, and the unfortunate aspect of it is that I consider this guy to be a core member of the Oilers that he was someone that when everyone talked and criticized about their defense they're like, but they have Oster Clefbaum. Um, I think that they're in a better state now than they were before, but it just would have been good if to see him back in that fold, especially for the fact that they have a lot of like team control, like over like the contract he did sign, he expected to be there long-term. And I think the second thing is, I think, yeah, it's the realization now too, because when we always talk about, you know, toughing it out, the toughness of the game, all these aspects of it. I like that there's more openness to how these injuries affect players because when I look back on the other ones who are who are the ones that they they still feel the effects of what's gone on in their career. And I think about Chris Pronger where he still has concussion problems. He still has peripheral vision problems from all of the injuries he's had. I know that it was a high stick for Miguel Grabowski, but it was just something that exacerbated the ready, like, 
the state he was of his health before he decided to retire. So I think for Klepom to kind of reassess this, understand that there is life beyond hockey, where I think that's been a big theme this year is that when we could separate the, their personal lives and the game that we always just see on TV in a more condensed, you know, narrow view of what it is and like what their lives are like, you know, we're in a way we're only with them this part of their life for the practices and the game. So I like that he, he was very open about this and he understands that again, there is life beyond hockey. I feel you can't help but feel bad for him for a few reasons that a, like that's the point his shoulder was in rehab. Like, I don't know if it, like, I've never had that kind of injury to a shoulder, but um not being able to put a shirt on or anything like that. Now imagine you're cooking. You can't pay, like pick up a saucepan or something like that. Right. It's, and not to mention the, the other side of, of, again, he's a hockey player. That's his life. That's his job. And that the also thing of seeing the Oilers in the playoff spot and like, he could, he's probably thinking to himself, man, I can hope so much right now. They could need me going into, the, you know, this series versus Winnipeg. I mean, I feel so bad for him. And again, he's, he's, and you said it there, Dan, he's been one of the constants around the Oilers. And at a time when it looks like Edmonton, they're kind of being rewarded finally, or, you know, more like McDavid than that. Um, Clefbaum should be there too. And unfortunately he's not. Yeah. Mm. Right. It's such a, it's so sad. Um, Something else that's, that's actually really, really rough is this Robin Leonard stuff. So he talked to Jesse Granger in The Athletic. Um, I have the article up here, again, by Jesse Granger. Leonard, who has been vaccinated, said the league promised more relaxed protocols if a team has at least 85% of its players vaccinated. However, after the, choir, the required timeline passed for those who got the vaccine, some reluctantly, the goalie added, no changes have been made according to Leonard. NHL Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly told the Athletic V email that no such promises were made. This is a quote from Robin Leonard. Being lied to about things changing, the kind of force us to take the vaccine is unacceptable, Leonard said. And now that we've taken the vaccine, say now nah, we aren't changing anything because of competitive advantage is outrageous. A champion of mental health awareness after dealing with bipolar disorder for much of his life, Leonard uh, cited mental health as his chief concern as players continue to operate under the NHL's current COVID-19 protocols. He went as far as comparing the current state of things to being trapped in a prison. Uh, side note, Leonard apparently did apologize yeah. for making that reference. Um, and there's something else. It's not in this exact article, but I believe somewhere Leonard talked about how there was this like 20, 30 minute sort of broad like video sent to the players and teams about like the thinking of, 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 of COVID and everything that could happen, like, and, and the precautions they need to take. But in that there was about a like 30 second bit with a hotline about mental health. Um, and it is something I think we like at trade deadline, we always forget about the fact that the, what it means to a player. And again, Harmon Dial, I think, has an amazing article in The Athletic about players going through trades. Now, at the same time, let's remember that since January now, players have, even at home, cannot actually, they're not allowed to go out. I think they, I don't think they can actually go to the grocery store themselves. Um, and apparently family members are very much encouraged to do as little as possible. Um, they can go to the arena and that they can't even play cards on the plane with their teammates. 
Um, I am so with Robin Leonard on this, and I think it's very easy to say, and I, I don't think Bill Daly is lying. No, no, he's lying, let's be honest here. When the league didn't say anything. But let's be honest, the league definitely said this to them, but there was no actual, like, documented. There was no legit paper promise made to the players. Yeah, I don't think the, I don't I don't think the league I don't think Bill Daly was necessarily necessarily lying, but I do think the fact that they sent them the NBA um, protocol, which which is true, clearly, like that is that's where it's mind boggling to me. We're wrapped up where you sent it to the players for what reason? What reason did you send that to the players? Because we knew. Like if if you knew that this was you weren't going to change anything, why would you send it to the players? Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, there's a bit of inconsistencies here where they don't really kind of have a good grasp of what they want to accomplish with you know a set number of okay, these are the protocols, these are the rules. This is what's going to be the inter, inter- dialogue between team between like within your team, and this is how things are going to be approached. Because honestly, like even with Leonard's comments, like I'm I'm with him in the fact that I I, I don't understand either the no. any any of these that if there's you know a set defined rules of this is how we're going to approach things. Because again, like it's just it's 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 something that I want more clarity on. Mm-hmm. No, but like, and the NBA thing, Leonard tweeted the NBA example out and said, yeah. Oh, I guess I'm making things up. Like, I, I just, it, it's just mental health is just such a sensitive thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, it's just another example of the league. Just like there's be like the league, the NHL is, a, is boneheaded, right? But then there's just this this clear lack of you know just humanity with them for this kind of stuff. Yeah. And it, it's seriously like it pisses me off with them. It, it always does with them because they never seem to actually be in touch. And I get like the whole Batman lawyer thing, but you honestly just want to like grab him by the scuff of his collar and slap him up and say, "Dude, like, do you not realize what you're doing to people here? Like, imagine." Like some people are getting the COVID fatigue in Ontario right now, but like, you know, you can go for a walk. You can go to a grocery store. The NHL players can't do that. Like we gave the Capitals a lot of crap earlier in the year. Um, like when yeah, I think it was like um, Kuznetsov, Ovechkin, oh, and I had, had, off, yeah. yeah, had went into their own hotel room and they got suspended for it or playing cards. Yeah, basically suspended, put on the COVID list. They're playing cards in their own hotel room. And, like, I know Ovechkin's wife said something about, like, antibodies and was like, ah, I don't know about that. But, I mean, like, even the things of, like, you're not allowed to, like, have dinner with your teammates in the hotel rooms. Like, you have to go to your separate one. I mean, at some point, and again, if they're – remember Rick Bonus got pulled out of the game because they, there was a false negative, but, like, most of Dallas had already been – like, Dallas had already been mostly vaccinated – like there is legit no reason why you can't adjust things, and the fact well, that there is, Bill, a, there is a reason though. Why? Be, be, because 
they they're he's they're not run the competitive advantage thing if i'm the pa and the guys in the u.s are allowed to do whatever the hell they want well i'm stuck up in canada confined to my home there's i would be very surprised if the pa pa stood pat and I know it's a bogus thing. I know it's a crazy thing and the circumstances are completely different, but that's the, that's kind of the job of the PA. Like they're there to, they're the players union. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it's, I'm not trying to argue it's, it's right or wrong, but I, I just think the NHL has to have some sense of idea that if they start changing rules for the guys in the U S the guys in here are going to be pissed. Do you know what? That's, I want to say something right now, but I, I can't because we can't swear. But man, like whatever. You just like, went through a PR battle over the summer between, or in the fall and the winter. That's that's the uh, that's my thinking. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just playing devil's advocate. What the CBA thing? The CBA thing and not being able to set a schedule properly while every other league managed to with the exception of the MLB, every other league managed to put a schedule together and a full season together. And the NHL and the NHLPA were battling over escrow. Do you think regular, like that's completely different from this? No, it's not. If the NHLPA and NHL go, go head in head again, it's going to be a PR nightmare for the NHL again. But, but see the problem with the whole like COVID stuff and the separation between the U.S. and the Canadian teams. That's on that's on the entire Ontario government right now. Like, like Doug Ford went backwards on so many of his policies within right. like I think a couple days. Like, like people will understand that. Like, like that is not a the scheduling was completely on the NHL and the PA itself. Right. COVID and that is like no that that is the the fault of. Of, of the nations in which they live in, right? But who's like, the PA going to com- blame? What do you They're going like, to blame the league for changing the rules for the guys in the U.S. Unfortunately, that's one of those things of like, that's crap. Like, there's nothing, again, that's... that's Yeah, no. The, the PA are going to be like, oh, fine, this is, listen... It's gonna be like you know. I don't know. We don't. We don't know, right? It's so bullcrap. Like this. There's just so. There are a lot of people to blame. Her. Of course. Like, I, I want more details. Teams, but like you shouldn't. They should not be holding back the American team. And then and then in the same car, I feel like we do this every week. Like Doug Ford is just so screwed up here in Ontario. There in Ontario. Yeah, like oh Adam, where are you? Yeah, I'll, I'll be. Who's your premier there? Uh Francois Legault. I think is how you say it. How's he doing? It's fun. And I mean, it's it could be worse. I mean, mm-hmm. I can get a haircut. I can, which I don't think people in Toronto itself have been able to do uh, since all like, of Ontario. All Alex, of Ontario. Just no, give yourself I mean, a haircut. Oh, yeah. That's what I've been but, doing. But like, you know, like there was a time in like certain places you could, but like yeah, the two weeks. Toronto area yeah. itself has been locked up since yeah. like November. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the playground thing and like trying to give cops more power than the law and the cops obviously we're going to do it. Oh, remember when that was the thing? Oh my gosh. And not to mention, it's like, yeah, you know what you should do after everything. Let's and around the date of the George Floyd set, um, verdict, you know what we should do? Give police more power. Oh man. COVID's getting so annoying. And do you know what? Again, I feel like a moment for us to acknowledge. I feel terrible for the players. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think any of us can truly get what they're going through. Um, and like, I'm so sick of COVID. I'm so sick of it. I love hockey. Um, 
I feel for Robin Leonard. I don't, the league clearly messed with the players here too. Um, I, I will say like, I, I'm not surprised by this either. No. Because it's the NHL and they never follow through with something unless it is like, even if something's in the CBA, they still try and go back on it. Terrible league. Um, terrible league for so many reasons. There's a way to handle this. They're get, they could be better. Do they right, could be though. better. But we believe in them. The, there's a proper way to handle this. And all they had to do was say, well, we're going to talk to Robin Leonard. We're going to figure out where the mu- miscommunication was. The fact that they didn't do that is very concerning. This is uh, the same. Sorry, finish. No, I just, the fact that they didn't do it publicly. I don't know what they did privately. Maybe they did do that privately. But the fact that this this came out and they didn't say, we are going to talk to Robin Leonard to figure out where this miscommunication went wrong. Suspicious. This is the league that has made like no effort to support a woman's league. There is this the same league that can't work with the hockey diversity Alliance. Uh, there is, there is a, a trail of breadcrumbs with the NHL to show how competent they are about they are a terrible league at the end of the day. They really are. Um, they don't have to. They don't know how to handle player safety. They don't know how to figure out their officiating. Uh, they are. <sighs> anyway, yeah, we're, we're we're switching to basketball. Yeah, you know what Steph Curry has that LeBron doesn't? Respect for the game. Oh, I said it. Steph, LeBron James could not tie Steph Curry's shoes. I tweet. I uh, I DM. How would he tie his shoes? Because he can't. And KD, well, KD hurts himself when he goes to do it because he's made a class. But I, I messaged Donald. I DM'd him last night. And I'm like, I told him, like, LeBron doesn't have the respect for the game. And he laughed because, you know, my, my basketball takes are just so – still don't remember what the triple-double is. So you're not anyway, going to watch space, the new Space Jam? What? You're not going to watch the new Space Jam? I, what? what? I'm he, excited. I'm gonna, am I going to watch it? No. I don't, I don't like movies. You know that. So when you tell me that Jurassic Park is better than X amount of movies, yeah. I don't have to I don't have to trust it then. Yeah, you do. Exactly. Because <laughs> you don't like movies. Because you don't like movies. Why would I have someone who doesn't like movies? So I don't like the Minnesota Wild, but I can appreciate what they are as a league. I, say I respect your opinion. Their, their, their comings and, and goings. I can just mm-hmm. because you're not a fan of something doesn't mean that you're not allowed to critique it. If we didn't like something, well, you know, if we weren't allowed to talk about things that we didn't love, well, guess what? We're only each of us are only talking about one or two hockey teams. That's not a good argument, right? But there. That, that's not a good argument because I don't like you, movies, you, you, but you I've took, seen a lot of movies. You took Do movies. I sit here and belittle <laughs> Jurassic Park. I will not have it. How dare are you, you guys done? Turn that are you guys on. done? No, we're not. Are you guys I done? Not. I want an apology. No, just let's no, go. No apology. I want an apology. But that's different okay, though, because episode, you said you, you don't like movies. That's like this. saying I don't like hockey. Listen, you guys so can go. You, know, you guys can have this conversation while I go edit the podcast. After. Yeah. How about that? Because that's fair. Like, yeah, that's fair. Is that a fair <laughs> argument? Okay. This is actually this is a crime against humanity. Okay, let's okay, go. That's, that's going too far. Yeah. This is worse than breaking your shin against another person's leg. I guarantee you it's uh, not. This is the worst thing that's ever happened with this podcast. Probably not. No. Okay, Leafs halves. Where are we going? The dirty the dirty boys or, or are we going with the halves? <laughs> well, I know you have a lot to say about the halves, so. Yeah. Would you like to do that first or last? Sure, we can talk halves. Okay. Um they lost. 
but they took my advice. What was your advice? Accountability? They put, they put Corey Perry in the top six. Yeah, that helped. You know who still played and are still a pairing as the shutdown pairing that's to keep getting scored on? Sherrod and Weber. You know what they? You know what their power play's been at since like. I, I think it's it's. Remember they had that few weeks when their power play was running like in the top ten. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like right after the Ducharme and Burroughs bringing on board, the power play is down to like eight point eight percent. So it's not one for thirty-seven. No. What do you want from me? No, um, compare it to the Leafs. I mean, yeah, Carey Price has gone back to Montreal for further thing on this concussion, so that kind of that, that's a bit worrying. Um, yeah, Caden Primo got the start. His third of his NHL career, I thought he played really well. It's just there was just an onslaught of defensive mistakes that just allowed the Flames to humiliate Montreal. Like, what? Like, should I say, yeah, John Merrill got slew foot and it led to a goal. Yeah, does it help that, like, the shift afterwards, Gustafson got caught and there was not man runch that he had to stay? Does it look good when Romanov – I can forgive Romanov going off a bad pinch because that's his job and he's a rookie – but am I upset that that then it's like when you get to this, a point in the season, right? Where if a normal person were to watch the Habs game, they'd be like, all right, defensive mistakes, whatever, do, 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 do. But it's just when you, it's like, isn't it like the definition of insanity is just doing something over and over and expecting the same result Because yep. I keep watching the Habs expecting these changes to be made and things to be different. And they never are. And I think like it's starting to, to, to drive me insane. Um, because I'm convinced that this team is better in the playoffs because they are legitimately built for the playoffs. There's no argument for that. You look at the way they're built, and the, the, like, that is how it works. The only issue with that is, is they cannot... They, you have to make the playoffs first. It's it's honestly, like, at, at this point, it, it's actually getting difficult to watch their games. I, I almost turned it off after the second because I just knew how it was going to go. They can't play Cole Caulfield because of the stupid recall thing. He couldn't have played last night because the likes of Druin and, and Byron and Carey Price are still technically cap hits. And you can't put them on LTIR because that would basically mean they're out for the season because there's a minimum requirement to be put on, on it, right? Yeah, I don't know if anyone can go on LTIR anymore because there's less than 10 games. I think so, that's the rule. That's, yeah, pretty worrisome with that. Okay, so this is a going to be a bigger issue we're going to talk about a lot later but i just want some rumblings from you adam okay yeah sure go ahead i don't mind even if they barely or even if they do make it to the playoffs but we still see some of these types of games going on where there's a lot of these inconsistencies but there's not a lot of changes going on dominic ducharme is he coming back god i hope not He's just like, you know what I was I was I've been thinking all, all morning to now afternoon about who should be the head coach. It shouldn't be Patrick Waugh, but like I'm not gonna lie, if they did it, I'd be I'd pretty I'd find it really funny. Um I was thinking, I'm like, man, do you know what the Habs kind of need? I don't think John Tortorello would be the worst coach. <laughs> because it's like, man, I just I feel like some of these, there's issues on both ends. Like, I think you still need more mobility on the left side of the defense. I think Romanov could be that guy, but um, there's been no one in the intermission. I do kind of wonder, like, seriously, um, like, if if you get that disciplinary, like, I could sit here and yell about Joe Bouchard because the Rocket do everything well that the Habs don't. But then, again, like, you want him in the AHL so badly. 
But at the same time, it's like everything he does, he's a player's coach. They play hard for him. They have the right system. There's accountability. He's, he, he expects a lot from you as a coach. Um, and not to mention these, these Ducharme, sorry, Mike, these Ducharme mid game line adjustments at some point, like, like the problem with Montreal's young centermen is they need to develop chemistry with some guys. You can't be like Sidney Crosby and you expect everyone to adapt to you. That is, you know, a Mount Rushmore of hockey member Sidney Crosby. Not really. He's not top four, but, um, but, but, but still at, at some point it's just, it's not working. I don't, I was excited about Bouchard. I mean, um, Ducharme, but I'm just at this point, I just, I don't see it. I don't think he's the right guy. Um, there just seems to be so much strategy with just like dumping the puck in for zone entries, which just doesn't work. I still don't get the, the, I must've listened to the podcast because they had Shea Weber move down to the Ovi spot for a few shots. I'm just thinking, man, I, I'm so mad at this point. Like it should be Cole. And then there's just, I, I can't see it happening Dan Daniel. And at this point I'm at the thing of like, if there's ever a time to abandon the French speaking rule, unless it's Bouchard, then like get rid of it. I don't care. Like get, get all the money you need and go get a better coach. Like go get Gerard Gallant if you have to. Get Boudreaux. I don't care if he chokes in the playoffs. Get to the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I just I don't see it with Duchard. I, I know. Don't I know you want Bouchard in the NH in the AHL, but there's a part of me that looks at. Because the way the what you just described, Bouchard, it kind of reminds me a lot of how people describe Sheldon Keefe. Yeah, and like eventually this guy's gonna make that jump, and it feels like now would be a really good time. And you mentioned this last night, like there's gonna be a lot of there, there's a potential for next year to be a lot more younger guys coming up um, in the lineup. And I don't remember exactly. You, I know you said Ryan Paling. I don't remember the other name you said off the top of my head, but it just feels like, you know what? Clearly Bouchard can work with these guys. I know that the NHL is a very different league. How long has Bouchard been in the AHL for? I want to say this is his second or third. I think this is his third year. One second. I'll, I'll double check, but I think it's his, his third year. Right. So think, yeah, maybe, th- maybe this could be the, the the next move for the for these guys if especially if your team is comprised of 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 young players you do want someone not you, you don't want someone to be your their friend but you want someone who will hold them accountable and who at least mesh well with them you know like even like you look at rod brindamore is a demanding guy but it is the level of I think the age of just pure, and it's making me think back of going like maybe not Tortorella is you, you need those coaches that can be the mix of motivators and that like, like I don't see like Ken Hillis got his first pro goal in the other, in, in the rocket win the other day and Joel Bouchard and Jake, the same thing happened with Jake Evans when he was in Laval and he was going through a stretch when he wasn't scoring. Um, and when in this game where Evans finally gets his first of the year in the same the other day when Cam Hillis got his, the first guy to like give him a hug when he got back to the bench was Joe Bouchard. I think you need nowadays, yes, again, the accountability, but you need that approachable motivator, motivator, especially with like the move to the young guys. So yeah, this is his third year. And I will mention that this year with the Laval Rocket, 
They're leading the Canadian division. They're <laughs> second place is 28 points with the Manitoba Moose. Laval are at 46. They're 22, 5, and 1. God. <laughs> right. So I think but, okay, I think this way, like you're leading the AHL. What happens if another team takes Bouchard? I will Because see, I think of like I know it it it's good like we could see the results now when we look back on it, but at the time and I'm gonna use a Toronto example, when the Marlies had Dallas Eakins and they're like, he should be the next guy. And then the Leafs go out and get Randy Carlisle. Yeah. Um, can it like, can that be like another situation or even, you know, yeah. I know that yeah. it was bound to happen anyways, because the, the Leafs have an abundance of coaches like DJ Smith. But I think it could also work the other way around, right? That the exact same thing happened with Sheldon Keefe. He, he wasn't offered an NHL contract, but he was, he his contract was up and they gave him not they obviously didn't give him the high end of an NHL deal but they gave him he was the highest paid coach in the in the AHL when he signed that new deal but the stipulation was if Mike Babcock was fired he was next there was no Bruce Boudreaux there was no bringing someone else in it was Sheldon Keefe everyone knew that mm. If they lost Joel Bouchard, um, I don't want to think about that. Again, I have, I'm not over that they lost Julian Breesbaugh. Like, I will never get over that. Like, it haunts me in my nightmares. If they let Bouchard, like how Vegas lost Rocky Thompson, I think. Is, yeah. yeah, he's in San Jose now? Yes. I if think he's the coach. Like, it, uh, if, if they go, if, and like, listen, Bouchard has always been, he doesn't bullcrap. Like, he's, he's a very interesting quote. Um, you could tell how enthusiastic he was to come into this role. And when they asked him about Ducharme being hired, he was very thing is like, I know my role here, but that only lasts for so long. Um, especially like if he leads Laval on a deep run in the AHL. And by the way, they're such a fun team to watch. It's incredible. And it also speaks to how quickly he's turned the AHL around. If he makes them on a, on a deep run and they want to call their cup, or just, you know, they make some, because they haven't been in the AHL playoffs for a while. I don't know how you don't turn around and at least look at him as a serious contender. Because I know a lot of people hate the French thing, and I'm starting to get sick of it. But at the same time, it's like Jeff Molson has been so thingy about, like, he has to have a French coach. And Bouchard is there. And, yeah, maybe at some point, because, you know, AHL guys, like, when they come up, they love their young players. And maybe it's the perfect time. And, and the other guys are like Jesse Alon and then like Raphael Harvey Pinard are, are two young guys. Pinard's not a fancy name, but he's kind of like that Gallagher, Yanni Gore type that he is going to get to the AHL just by how hard he works. I love Raphael Harvey Pinard. Um, yeah. And again, you've already started seeing with guys like Primo and that are coming up. Jake Evans. I, I seriously, the, the last thing I want is is for them to lose him. They, they, I really hope at this point, like if they miss the playoffs, I don't see how. By the way, like at at this point, the frustration is at the point. I don't know if Bergevin can come back next year. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. They're clean house I, and management. I, I, I know he's on the last year. Right, next year will be his last year of his current contract. If they make, if they don't make the playoffs, with the moves that he made. I don't know how you bring him back. 
see, you know what's really frustrating is like the moves he made on this offseason have been like, like he still it's so frustrating. He, I still think his offseason was better than any other NHLers because like if you look at the MVP for Montreal this year, it's been Perry, Allen, Anderson, and Toffoli. Right. Like they have been lights out. Which is so annoying because it, it just feels like it, it's kind of weird to say that Bergevin sort of missed his mark by like two years here. You know what I mean? I just, there is no way he can, you know, there is an executive that people have talked about. I don't know him that well, but like also Scott Mellonby has been a guy who's with Montreal. That There's always been that sort of conversation that when another team has come looking, um, there's also been very much note that Bergeron likes to surround himself. Like, you know how, we all know how confident Mark Bergeron is. Um, there are members of Montreal's management group that you can see that have the potential to replace him because that's what you want. Like you talk about the Leafs, their coaching system. There are guys that have spurred, like again, Sheldon Keith, DJ Smith, like there are coaches in there. There are replacements for Mark. I don't know if they've also, if they would look outside that, you know, you know that they would was such an important time in this team sort of window here that they would really do their due diligence. But I mean, like, like Bergevin, the deadline screwed them. Like, at this point, I'm just like, man, what did you do? Like, Merrill's been good. I like Merrill. But this Gustafson thing, it's like you have him playing the wing and defense. And because of that additional move, they can't bring in Caulfield. And chances are, it's unlikely he plays until... They, apparently, there could be some paper transaction where Lindgren comes in and Primo goes back, and that would allow Cole to come in. But it's just, I don't get why they have to do these jumping through the hoops to get there. I mean, like, Stahl's still working the power play at this point. Like, what's going on here? There's so many holes right now. A lot of questions everywhere. Where, yeah, it's, again, it's they're not adapting. They're not changing. No, exactly. I, it, it's so frustrating. They keep... Every game against the Flames has been the same, and it, it's like the okay. And let's like, can we be? Can we shut up about the Canucks making it? No, they're not. They're not going to make it. They're not making it. Uh, Michael Di Pietro was set back to Utica today. Yeah. I didn't even I, know what you I, I saw that. Oh, because he's been rotting on the taxi squad all yeah. year, hasn't he? I don't, I don't know why they would keep him on the, the taxi squad. Like, I'm sorry. There's no. There. They should have been playing him. Yeah. Not in the NHL and the AHL. Like. Something. Games, please. Okay. Um, Shall we get to the Leafs then? Mm, But I have news. Okay. Are we going to like it? But I don't think we got to watch it today because it started at one. Well, it's going to go live now. I guess we're not going to talk about the Geico 500 NASCAR Cup Series. No. Probably not. Okay. Until they have a Netflix uh, series. we, We talk about Formula One, sir. Formula uh. where where you want to go with the Leafs? Jean Gerard. Sorry. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I got the reference. You got the reference. Okay. I got the reference. Where you want to start with the Leafs? Dirty boys. Dirty boys. I don't like I don't know. I'm just You don't like how they're being called a dirty team? You know, I, know I don't know. It just kind of I've already had like a thing about, you know, regarding like Blake Wheeler. It just I don't know. Just I don't trust him. What? Neither do I. I mean, like, first off, that Sandine hit was clean. Um, I love 
two things very much. I love hip checks and I love reverse hits. And Sandine just like, oh. I didn't expect that. Like, they're not dirty. Like, Matt Cook was dirty. Sean Avery was a rat. Bradley Torres. Rafi Torres, 41 games spent. Martian used to be a giant rat licking people. He's calmed down now, thankfully. <laughs> well, it's Ty Domi. Ty Domi was a face-punching maniac. I mean, like, was 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 Thornton going a bit nuts with Nick Ehlers last night? Yeah. yeah and I love it. He cross-checked Nick Ehlers, broke the stick, went back to the bench, got another one, gave him another cross-check. I and don't care. I do love how he kept giving Ehlers all the crap in the penalty box and Ehlers was just ignoring him. Like, shut shut up, old man. I don't care. It's Jumbo Joe. I like, I, they must have listened. It's funny because it wasn't just us who who were talking about it. I've seen so many other people talking about how they've just lacked this extra thing that they had at the beginning of the season. And it's, and it seems for whatever reason it's back. Maybe, you know, I, I really think. And we'll get to Felino, but that Felino edition just for may feels like the morale of the room. It seems like it's done a lot. Um, I don't think they're a dirty team. I think I oh. saw someone last night tweet, and I I did re, I did quote tweet it. They said, "I just I I don't like playing against the Leafs." And I go, thank you. Like, I've been waiting five years for someone to finally I mean, say, yeah. I don't like playing against the Leafs. And he goes, he he did, in fact, block me for whatever reason. I said, he did say, um, he says, well, it's not for a good reason. You guys are a dirty team. And I'm like, thank you. Like, thank you. That's it. Like, you sent him the surprise penguin. Thing. I did send him the yes. surprise penguin. Um, but it's like. This is what Leaf fans, and to be honest, everyone who who said, well, the Leafs aren't tough enough to make a run. Okay, D- they signed the guys. Their team is, the, the team is different than last year. I think anybody watching last year versus this year would tell you that there is a difference in, in the competitive juice of this team. And I'm fine with it. There was the idea yeah. that the Leafs were fun to play against. And that is the worst thing you can say about a team. All of a sudden, you have the dinosaur, Daniel, and Joe Thornton just being <laughs> a complete thorn in the ass. I Yeah, I, I like it. I like that. Okay, I'm going to use a Brian Burke to, uh, quote. What they, ha- what they lacked last year was they lacked intensity. Oh, that's not yep. what I thought you were going to say. Oh, what do you think? I, I thought say? you were going to say truculence. Truculence. Oh, that's Truculence. A, that's 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 quite the word. Um, <laughs> that's his you know, word. Price but, is worth it because they respect him, and he has truculence. You know, it just get a bit more folds on my forehead. It's it's what they had, and again, it's what I've mentioned so many times. Where this is a team where I I think that they, they would be better suited in you know technical difficulties. Daniel, what were you saying? We like just just restart. You like. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, like five times again. What we've talked about before, Toronto is so much more balanced. They have, they have what I think Alex said is they have that playoff pedigree now to kind of, to kind of make a run because they balance out that skill. They balance out all of that talent, and it's not like they just brought in these bruisers, kind of, you know, all-time hockey kind of guys. They brought in these guys that can contribute in so many um, areas, and then when we talk about. 
Joe Thornton. It just I love how he transformed his game. Like he's really finally become a solid guy that could go anywhere in the lineup. Where I like that he's playing in the in the bottom six because I think he he could still surprise you every game. I like what he brought in with that Nick Ehlers thing because you're not supposed to be a team where you said is fun to play against. It's a team that's that you, you want to hate. You, you want to kind of hate them in a way because yeah, you know. All the skill, all that speed is not gonna is not gonna bring you to where you need to go. I remember if I use like you know a bit of a throwback example. Yeah, you'll have Taves, you'll have Brandon Sod on one line, but they also have like or you have a Marion Hosa instead of a Brandon Sod, but you also have like a Brian Bickle on that line. Like you'll have something to really balance out everything. And when I think about you know a Brian Bickle kind of guy in his prime, I think about a Nick Felina where he'd been brought in and he could. He, he could score the goals for you, but also he could play that two-way game for you. And I think it's just been another another thing that's helped the locker room. And it's helped like with the seamless chemistry that I'm liking with this team. And no, they're not a dirty team. They're standing up for themselves. I love what Wayne Simmons did against Pierre-Luc Dubois, and I'm not taking that back. Neither am I. I like, I'm not. I don't care. Like, man, like this is... This is what everyone, this is what all Leafs fans have been asking for. This is what all teams have said. The the biggest weakness of the Maple Leafs team is that you can take advantage of them. You can, you can push them around. That's not the case. I'm like, that's not the case anymore. I really don't think it is. Um, And I'm very, I'm very interested to see in a couple weeks time, what this lineup looks like with Zach Hyman in it. Because I think inserting Zach Hyman into this lineup, you have so many different options. Um, because you know Galchenyuk can play next to John Tavares and William Nylander, you know that Zach Hyman can play on that first line. You can move Nick Foligno down to the third line and make a shutdown line if you wanted to, or you could just stack the top six. Mm. Like there's just different options in it. And I think that's a really good thing because if one thing isn't working, you already have, like we were talking about before, having a backup plan is good. And I think in this case, there are different options for this team. So Zach Bogosian's out for the rest of the regular season. Yes, unfortunately. That bodes well for a certain young Sandine. Yes. And I also wonder how much of Ben Hutton the Barbie girl himself. Do you guys think we're going to see down the stretch here? Because I want him as much as possible. Um, That's his goal song, by the way. They should allow that to happen. They should make that his goal song. Probably not a whole lot unless you're looking, unless the lead continues to build up. Um, and I know, I think they play the Jets again at some point before the end of the season. Um but probably not a whole lot. We're going to see of Ben Hutton because I think Rasmus Sandin, and he's only played two games this year, but he's just, he has looked a lot better than he did last year. He's, it's clear he took those strides. And, you know, there were the rumors going around about Sandin's conditioning and his, his effort level going into the bubble. And I really hope. That, that gave him a kick in the ass because it looks like it worked. I think, yeah, two examples I think about is in one of his first games last year, I believe it was against Detroit. Remember when he just took that check into the boards? Yeah. 
yeah. and then compare that now to what he's been able to do against Blake Wheeler. <laughs> it's just I I for that for me I think that that's that's a lot of progression in the year. It's just what happened to Patterson too. That's because that's how we got hurt. Was that big hit? Uh, Mackenzie Weir was it? Or am I thinking of Paul Byron? Anyway, though, um, it was like that kind of like lack of physicality, and now he always has the Yale Forsberg reverse hit. I, I, um, I just one a thing about Sandine, and I think it applies to the other to the four position as well. I think the fact that you have guys who can easily come in and take a spot, you have like Adam Brooks. Yeah, he's playing fourth line center, but Pierre Engvall is not playing. Uh, yeah, he's he's he, not going to be here next year, is he? Who knows? Like, who knows? Like, the fact that the Leafs have these guys, you can plug in and say, "Hey, uh, Kerfoot, you're not playing great. You're you can sit. Like, we have a guy or whoever. It it, it doesn't really matter. Um, and the same goes with defensive depth. Yeah, you had Miko Lennon. Miko Lennon was gone. You bring in Ben Hutton. There's extra pressure on those guys, especially that bottom pairing to keep their spot. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be working, that mm-hmm. pressure. Um, we touched on touched on him for a second there, but uh, both of yours initial impressions were on Nick Foligno. And it seems like a good ad so far. Uh, Daniel, if you want to go first. I love it. I, um, I know that a lot of the things uh, surrounding his trade was the price, but what he brings to the team, I, I really like it. It just complements everything that leadership that offense the defense like the 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 way he back checks the way he's been able to kind of have this like what alex like this renewed enthusiasm coming into the locker room where it's just you know more of a good thing more of that leadership more of this guy that could that is gonna like not like not a yes guy in a bad way but a guy where it's like you're gonna play the shutdown line okay you're gonna be flying with us on the first lines like no problem it's like Guy that you could put anywhere. He's basically a more experienced Zach Hyman utility player. Like, um, what, what do you call them? Um, Swiss Army knife. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that, or I think you call it like a multi tool or something. But that double sided lightsaber. Exactly, or Cal sure. switchblade lightsaber. That can be a sure. double sided, dual wield, all that kind of great stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I I really like the way Nick Foligno has. Um, meshed with this team because I think it's exactly, it is exactly what the team needed. They didn't need another guy who can, I guess, hold the puck. Like I saw, uh-huh. I saw a couple people saying, well, you know, the, the play is dying. The play is dying a lot on his puck, but that's not the point. He's not supposed to be that guy. He's supposed to be the guy who the thing. And, and I always remember this. A couple of years ago, the the thing with Zach Hyman is that he had no hands. He couldn't shoot. And it really limited how he played with Matthews or with with, uh, John Tavares and Mitch Marner. And that thing he added, while he's still not the greatest, has the greatest hands in the world, he's made those changes and that's helped him. And I think that's the exact same thing with Nick Foligno. He's not going to be the guy who holds the puck or makes the play. That's Matthew's job. That's Marner's job. Or when, like, whoever he plays with, he's not going to be that guy. He's the guy who goes and gets the freaking puck and gives it to Marner and gives it to Matthews. That's his job. And I think he's doing a splendid job at that. 
He's also cross-checked after the whistle guy. He can be that. Exactly. That's kind of one of the big things you need from him. Um, anything else you guys want to touch on? Maybe Jack Campbell, who in the first Winnipeg game, there were a few softies, but probably as that game went on, and then also looking at the Jets game, I thought he played a lot better. Like what really he he needed probably for his confidence. Yeah, he I, I he had a much better game uh, last night. I think that it's always it's always good to get a bounce back win, and especially with Jack Campbell, where he tends to put a lot of blame on himself on himself and he does it publicly as well for him to get that bounce back win i think is is really good damn i agree i think that it's a bit more balanced now where this i think a good thing for him was the streak being over yeah that's a that's a really good point actually that it's a bit more realistic now and he could kind of just go back to his game. He could go back to not thinking about that other, you know, that, that record or anything, but, but realizing that there's going to be those odd games where he's not going to have the best night. And I think that's just going to help him moving forward, depending on how many games he plays. And I think it's a better thing for the team as well, where again, there is that little bit of a rough patch, that bit of adversity that the team has been able to bounce back at bounce back from like pretty quickly especially in the shortened season mm-hmm. we're counting down to the playoffs guys it's going to be fun and um, it's going to be a much different looking Leafs team when we get there how many games does Montreal have left one second I think that uh, the Leafs have eight I think after last night mm-hmm. a couple against Montreal I think one more against Winnipeg It'll be an interesting end to the season. It's only a couple weeks away. Montreal have 10. The Leafs have eight. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg's at nine. Uh, the Oilers are at 11. The Flames are at nine. The Canucks are at 15. Uh, the Sens are at eight. And it's all getting very close. Yes. Um, yeah. I can get the Leafs schedule up, by the way, now. We can just kind of look at what... Oh, I, yeah, I have, I have it here. Okay, do you want to just let us know what exactly... Um, like? Yeah, uh, they play Montreal on Wednesday, and then uh, Vancouver Thursday and Saturday. Then next week, they play Montreal on next Monday. It's the ne- three-game series. Yeah. yeah, next Thursday and Saturday, and then their final two games are against Ottawa and Winnipeg. Ooh, that is going to be a spicy last game of the regular season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That is How for spicy? sure. Um, extra spicy. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's everything, right? I can't even, I was, was going to say a food item. I can't even think of anything. <laughs> it's going to be a sriracha filled night. Ghost pepper spicy. That's how ghost spicy pepper pasta? No, oh, ghost no. pepper, like the very hot pepper. Oh, okay. No, go away, Andy. Don't ask what that was. I was checking Twitter and I Andy saw... Andy Bernard? It actually is the guy who plays Andy Bernard. So oh, uh, Ed Helms, yeah. Or something. There's a new show. Yeah. We should have him on to talk about it. Andy Bernard? Yeah, Ed Helms. In in, in in his office character, though. Yeah. Sorry, I just watched Reese watch season nine. Why, why? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm looking for like this... Like some... There, there are okay. So, I'll say it this way before we end. 
there are moments, but there's not episodes. If you know what I'm saying, like there's yeah. moments, there's the yeah. glimpses of the what's great about the series, but there's no real defining episode like we had in previous seasons. I'll never get over that they split him and Aaron up. Yeah, that was weird. Big fan of that with the gym ripoff. Yeah, they legit. They, I don't know. I was a big fan of Aaron. So Always will be. Have a massive crush on their actor. All that kind of stuff. Okay. I think we're done. <laughs> yep. Okay. I well, we can talk about The Office more, but we can always do that every episode. The Lover is the funniest episode in The Office. Which one is that one? That's that the... is the episode where Michael tells Jim and Pam that he is sleeping with Pam's mom or has been dating Pam's mom. Oh, yeah. That's the, the episode after one. that, he dumps her because <laughs> she's I admit, okay, that Jim's, episode, Jim. that was a weird episode. The one, the, okay, the one, one part I like about it is when Jim freaks out at Toby saying, asking Jim, hey, Jim, how are you? Stop, Toby, get out of here. <laughs> and then Michael's just like, yeah, you loser. <laughs> Jim's like when they ble- I when they bleep him when he realizes who he's talking about yeah is it just when he says it, green camera yeah it cracks me every time it's or like when, when they go into the there's also the subplot with Dwight and like Jim finds the maller with a device and he gets yeah. Andy to talk about the music and he just blasts it and then one after after Andy leaves and he's like, you don't even want to know. And it just cuts to Jim just quietly with his arms crossed with this music playing. And then when Jim and Pam find out, and he's like, yeah, it's a coworker. And Pam's like, huh? Uh-oh. Like trying to get the tea up here. <laughs> like, ooh, who is it, Michael? And he's just like, it's okay. Who? And he just gets this smile and it hits her. He's like, no, no, it's okay. <laughs> No, no, no. Okay, I gotta watch this again. When it's like, you should be concerned about this too, Jim. Michael Scott is sleeping with your mother. It is such a funny episode. Like Jim told me you'd react react like that. He's just the best. Frank (laughs) Embry. He's just trying to like get around the fact that like this there is no way. Such a so awkward. Such a great episode. episode. So good. Okay, voice voice ad. Great for the show as always. We appreciate it. Check out everything social media with the show, TikTok included. Doing that now. Leave a comment and tell us we suck. I don't know. Um, Our own personal social media is Daniel's eye opener, my YouTube channel, Alex's blog. The show stuff as well. That's pretty wicked. Check out the YouTube portion. That's pretty funny. Check out Twitter exactly. for hockey. Exactly. Not Canucks, excuse me, not Canucks Twitter, though. And see how we're going to celebrate the end of exams. Exactly. Well, you guys have to wait for me. I'm done May 7th. May 7th? Sound good. Sounds okay. good. That's very late. Because my uh, graduate thesis is due that day. Uh, okay. Like, my final thing is this week, but then I have the thesis. May 7th. What is going on May 7th? Hmm. I'm moving stuff, so I'll be busy that day. It's a Friday. It's a Friday, so that's lame. We'll celebrate the ninth. Okay, the ninth. That's true. Uh, that's Mother's Day, but okay. we'll celebrate the eighth. Is it? <laughs> yeah. We'll have our I'm moms on the show. Down. <laughs> May eighth. May ninth. May ninth. It's, it's a Sunday. But May eighth, get the gift. Is mom <laughs> get the gift May eighth. All right, you that's want good to, that to know. Alex with the best assist since Backstrom to Ovechkin there. Exactly. Okay. I try. I try. 
My mom listens to the show, so hopefully she's tuned up by now. <laughs> okay. For the office part or this one? <laughs> he likes the office. Okay, okay. Wait, the British one or the uh, North American one? I don't know if she's ever watched the British one, but she okay. loves the American one. Yeah. Okay, before we go, just the Ricky Gervais one. There's just one joke that it's so subtle, but it sticks with me. What? For his um, for uh, his voicemail. He yeah. says, like, leave a massage. And then he just starts laughing because he wants people to call him that could hear that. That gets to me. Because, see, British dry humor is just so much better than anything in North America. Like, plus, North Americans can't take a joke. Um, and we'll end the episode there because it's true. <laughs>